Invest in yourself, listen to podcasts, listen to Joe's books. I cannot tell you, I didn't have any mentor, no coach in a real estate syndication side of the business. However, I'm not sure if I can say that because I had, Joe had written that book, the best ever syndication book. And I took that book and I literally followed it to the T. And I think that was my best coach. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Vikram Brar. Vikram is joining us from San Francisco, California. He has over 500 units with a valuation of $50 million of assets under management, and he's vertically integrated to handle management and redevelopment. Vikram, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Ash, for having me on the podcast. It's our pleasure. Before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now. Sure. So rolling back a few years, I was born and brought up in India. My father was in the Indian Army, so we grew up in a very disciplined household. We had our chores. We knew exactly what to do. You know, very focused. From there on, I went into industrial engineering, and then I came to U.S. for my master's. So with the industrial engineering process, growing up in a disciplined life, organically, for me, I shifted towards process engineering and solving problems through having very scalable and defined processes. So I worked in automotive in Detroit. And then from there, I went to Deloitte for supply chain strategy. And then I transitioned into startups in the San Francisco Bay Area. My wife happened to move here. She got a job at Applied Materials, which is one of the Fortune 50 companies. And for me, I saw the startup world. I saw the need of having manufacturing. A startup was getting into manufacturing locally. And I saw that my desire for being manufacturing practices and the need in the Bay Area for manufacturing, I pivoted into startups and essentially spent the next 12 years building up scalable processes for med devices company to neuroscience company. And then around 2013, we had a life altering event, which made us think about what does wealth means essentially, right? It's much more than your 95. You cannot really depend on your W-2 income. So that led us to generational wealth, finding out what leads to generational wealth. And obviously, real estate is well-versed subject, well-talked-about subject on that. And it took us a couple of years to find multifamily. But in between, we did some single-family condos. We did great. It was hard to go wrong in real estate in 2013. And from there on, Princey and I dove headfirst into multifamily. And we essentially looked at Tucson. We picked up the Tucson, Arizona market because it was late to recovery the job numbers were doing great. And then it was very close to our San Francisco Bay Area. And we could do in and out because we still had our full-time jobs. And essentially, we got into multifamily and haven't looked back yet. It's quite a right turn from all of your engineering and process and startups. What was your first multifamily deal? Our first multifamily deal was a 45 units that we bought in Tucson. Prince and I strongly believe in the more you can buy for your money, the better it is. There's many factors. I think it's, it's also well discussed on the show why that larger scale helps you in so many different fronts. So the first 118 units we essentially bought with our own capital. 
So we looked for a pure value add. From day one, we knew we wanted to go into value add multifamily assets. At that time, I didn't know the difference probably between distressed assets and multi and value add. You know, there's it's minor nuances, but it can make a big difference. So that was our first deal. It was a 45 unit. And we essentially built out a fully vertically integrated model from that very first property. Okay, let's focus on that for a second. So the 45 unit property you purchased all on your own. Right. And what were those vertically integrated aspects that you put into place? One of the first things we brought in house was the property management. What we realized is as you get into the second tier cities away from the, at that time, Tucson was still in that recovery phase. So we didn't have some of the natural property management firms. And being in operations for almost all our professional career, me in manufacturing, Pinsy and financial, we were used to reacting and moving fast, right? If you see something, you see a data point, you got to react, right? Especially when you're dealing with a distressed asset. And what we realized is just going through that chain of command and getting to the person who's responsible for our property was sometimes it took weeks just to have a minor conversation. So we knew for us to really get into this business and be able to do what we really wanted to do, we had to bring that property management piece inside. And then as far as renovations were concerned, we had a very clear agenda that we were going to provide the best possible eco-friendly units to the tenants and have an impact because we completely believe in impact investing. And to do that in today's market, we took a leaf out of our manufacturing and finance background and we went source materials directly overseas, right from the very first property. We have brought in containers from overseas and we brought the best material that you can buy for the economical amount of money. The idea was not to go find the cheapest material for the cheapest price. It was to find the best material for the cheapest price that we could get. And that's what led to our fully vertically integrated model. That is such a unique mindset. When somebody gets 45 units, they try to watch every dollar, buy things as cheap as possible. On the other hand, you knew that you were going to scale this business. So you treated this as the first of many and put all your systems in place. Very interesting. So now, did you lose money on this or was it a moneymaker? Because you you probably hired a property manager, even though you didn't need somebody. Absolutely. It's a very interesting question. So short answer, no, we didn't lose any money, but it definitely lost time because we were learning our own things. And that is really why we wanted to use our own capital was to learn the business ourselves, is to figure everything out. There's one thing to be said about reading some material and books versus doing it yourself. So what we ended up doing was we did hire a property manager. And like you said, there was economies of scale, like you have 45 units, like a full-time property manager, what do you do? So we bought a property next to it that was 19 units and first made it 64 units. And we bought a little portfolio around it, very close to the property. And that's how we were able to quickly scale up to 118 units. And then what we ended up doing is our construction, you know, in the San Francisco Bay Area, we had a great relationship with a construction contractor who we requested. His family was based on closer to Arizona and California. So we requested him to come to Tucson, show him what we were doing. And we had a 10-year relationship that we were able to bring him over there and convince him to essentially move to Tucson. He was our first employee on the construction side. So he essentially started that. There was somebody we could already trust. There was 10 years of experience. And then we had the property manager locally who had the local intelligence. He was born and brought up in the area. So with those two people, we could really do a lot. Yes, it did cost us money. Yes, it cost us a lot of sleepless nights. But in the end, we bought it for a little under 38 a door. And we refied over $106 a door. And so it was yeah. a very successful project. Yeah. I think you got it down correctly because everyone else has the pain points and then they put the systems in place. 
whereas you took the opposite approach with your background in engineering and put all the systems in place as you saw a need for it. So you had 118 units. What's the next step? So what we realized at that point was we had essentially used most of our free capital. And either we wait for those cycles, the refi cycle or a sell cycle, and then we take that capital and go invest, or we started looking into syndication. We didn't really know too much about syndication, to be very honest. And that is another one of the reasons initially we just use 100% of our capital versus going out and getting a construction loan. I would do a few things a little bit different if I had to go back down and do them. That would make life a little bit easier, but hey, you live and learn. You Let's know? get into those. What are these yeah. things? <laughs> so I would definitely look at construction loan rather than just 100% putting all your available capital into a deal. I would definitely look at those construction loans because they can really help with you. And then you have distressed asset loans, which I never thought anybody would give us a distressed asset loan back then. And then you have those loans and then you have those loans itself. The lender keeps escrow money to save up for one year of payments and everything else. So that's kind of less stressful when you're sitting at home. By no means is it not stressful. It is still stressful, but at least you know you have these cash reserves at different places. Going back on the hindsight, we had our incomes were Silicon Valley income. So we knew we could make all those mortgage payments, everything else. We weren't looking really for the cash flow from that property as much as we were looking for the experience and to turn it around and get that big pop in the end. So yeah, those are the two minor differences. If knowing today is if I had to go back and do it, that's what I would do. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. Realestateaccounting.co's top-tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget to actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one -on -one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. What is a distressed asset loan? A distressed asset loan, essentially, it would still be a bridge loan of some sorts. The loan to value might be lower 50%. It could be even lower than 50%, but at least I've seen them come around 50%, plus they give you 100% of construction money. Okay. And they'll hold reserves back so that they cover for about a year or so of mortgage payments. 
Got it. So Vikram, how did you go about raising capital for your next deal? Yeah, friends and family. Uh, friends and family. And we had uh, somebody at the local network. We, we partnered up with a local capital raiser at that time. And we had friends and family that we started approaching at that time. So essentially after the next three or four deals, in the second deal that we syndicated, we got a family office uh, that started investing with smaller amounts. And the next deal was friends and family and the family office that we have been using subsequently. And what did the next deal look like? That was also a distressed deal. <laughs> was it in Tucson? It was in Tucson. We are recently coming off our eighth acquisition, and that is our first in Phoenix MSA. And prior to that, all our seven acquisitions have been in Tucson area. So we were hyper-focused since it's a vertically integrated business. The more we can have around the area is much more optimized for us. We can squeeze more juice out that way. So with $50 million of assets under management, what is your bottleneck right now? Our bottleneck, I would say, is just forming the capital, right? To get capital before you do a deal. In syndication side of the business, a typical syndicating model is you go in, you put a deal under contract, and then you're raising capital. Yes, obviously, you're having all those conversations up front, but the money starts coming in after you close a deal. So being a vertically integrated business where we are running everything, you know, overseeing all these different processes and employees, what we realize is that we need to have more time to have that capital up front. And we recognize that's why we are thinking about launching a fund. We are working towards it and we are educating ourselves. We're talking to the people to figure that out because once we have that, everything else is a streamlined process. We have all people assigned and then now it's a thing about going and getting the capital to be able to rinse and repeat what we have figured out on the operation side. Yeah, Vikram, what are the challenges with starting a fund in terms of the interaction with investors? I think the very first thing is they're going to be investing into something is out there in the future, right? Versus people are used to seeing a deal, live numbers versus some performers or, or some projection that you're saying, like, this is what we are going to be doing. So I think one thing is to able to convince that. And, and I think a lot of that is to show with your track record, what you have done, how you have taken these deals, what is your underwriting thing. And it's even better if you have, like, I think, honestly, the first funds or a couple of funds are going to be your friends and family, just like your syndication deals. And maybe a couple of references that you bounce off of there. And so those are your sort of what we call it the initial believers, right? Your first thing. And then you have to cross the chasm and you get into the bigger field. So the initial are your early adopters that is essentially going to be your friends and family and, and close references. And what do you think the time difference is between when you take people's capital and find the deal? What's that gap? Very interesting question, right? So it's for us, since we are hyper-focused in the Arizona market, I should say, we were. Now we have also, as we've closed with the latest deal, we've opened up the Phoenix MSA. So we are actively underwriting deals, right? The beauty of Phoenix MSA is essentially almost every day you're getting a deal that kind of matches your investment criteria. So it is coming in. Now you have that deal flow, which Tucson, it's not as rich as, as Phoenix, but now you have two markets. So that's another reason why we open up. So we are finding great assets to go put LOI under a few a month. So essentially we feel by the time we get to the fund and we start getting into the closing, there should not be too much of a gap between the close and the previous start looking at profit. And Vikram, in a typical fund, is there a return on investor capital while the cash is not deployed? Or is it only after it's deployed? It is only after once the fund dissolves at the very end. Okay. So they are getting a return on capital during that time. Yeah. And this might be a tough question or a unique question. Because you now have this burden of capital over you, whereas before 
with most people, there's the burden of finding deals and then raising capital. But now you've got the capital. Does that change your decision-making and what type of deals you take on? It should not. That's the whole point. You should not change your numbers. Just because you have that capital sitting and that burden, essentially, in one way to call it, it should not influence you go do any deal or change your numbers or change your fundamentals, because then that is a disservice to your investors. Yes, you have that capital. And if you are being vertically integrated, that's another big effort. We look at deals very differently. Even people are saying, oh, the market's gotten so tight, or not enough deals in the market, or not enough exactly deals. Being vertically integrated and being able to control these different knobs, we can look at a deal very differently from the next person and say, what can we do to increase the NOI on this property? And so given that advantage versus the rigorous underwriting and not changing those basic fundamentals is going to make sure we are looking for the best interests of the investors. Yeah, I love that mindset because all too often I've seen where just because there's an abundance of capital, people will just deploy it. Even if they're hitting minimum returns, that's great. But I love that you're staying focused on using investors' capital as if it was your own. Right, absolutely. That's great. What are you doing to add value that's unique other than just renovations? Just within the renovation process, we're doing a little bit different in the sense we do full-blown. We are not afraid to go in, do a full-blown demo, and essentially bring the unit walls up again. So we are using eco-friendly cabinets that are carb 2 compliant even though Arizona has no requirement to be COP2 compliant on this stuff, we want to make sure the tenants have low to the least amount of emission possible out there from a material perspective so that when they come home, they don't have to worry about allergens. So that is a great place for them to come home to. So we do a lot of that. We use 100% waterproof flooring, which is not only great for the tenant in the sense, again, it's completely formaldehyde-free. It's great for them to breathe into. For us, it has hidden returns because now when a unit turn comes along, the flooring is not damaged. It's 100% waterproof. There's nothing to do from the flooring perspective. You just clean it up, quartz countertops, no emissions, no absorption into the thing. It's really, you have to even take a hammer even then a little bit more to kind of break that thing. So on unit turns, they're very quick. They're very economical. So it's looked really beautiful, right? They're one of the best looking units. We're using these work for housing, which interiors are competing class A buildings. So these are very unique perspectives from those angles. And obviously, there's so much optimization that can be done on pricing, best chargebacks, amenities. We're bringing in a lot of the locker systems, the package systems, and those amenities fees get added on. Obviously, there's a strategy for dog parks, putting those own corner units, pool view units. There's so much you can do for price optimization when you start looking at the units and seeing we, start, we look at a unit as an individual a standalone asset rather than a floor plan because that particular unit within the same floor plan could be the end unit. You might have just one neighbor versus two neighbors. You might have a great side view. There's beautiful Catalina Mountains in Tucson, and you might have one of the best views for those. So yeah, there's so much optimization for pricing that can be done. And then you charge different prices based on the available unit. Absolutely. Interesting. I love that. Vikram, knowing you now for about 20 minutes, my guess is you're not done vertically integrating. So what's on the horizon? Are you looking to buy a granite mine for countertops? What's next? It's funny you say that because there's no stopping once you start going down this path. So we look at the pain points. So how we're approaching this is we look at pain points and then we see how do I alleviate these pain points? One of the biggest things that we are seeing right now is the supply chain from appliances. It's really causing an impact on the velocity of the unit turns that we can do. 
it is an uncontrollable factor. So obviously, if I had my choice, I would right away get into white labeling appliances and getting those in-house under our umbrella. Or warehousing. We have our own warehouse too. Oh, yeah. so of course. We started, yeah. <laughs> I forgot to mention Why that. You? So since we are bringing in containers, we are always getting containers in-house. We recently got two containers of flooring just because we were seeing a kind of supply chain tighten up a little bit, especially getting into the holiday season. So we are being preemptive and bringing in this for the future growth that we are going to acquire other assets for. So we're making sure the velocity of the unit turns does not slow down. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Here's a problem you're probably not solving for right now. Have you ever had a tenant squat inside your rental and refuse to pay rent? Or are you worried about renting to a serial rent dodger? You've probably used a credit report for tenant screening before, but what if I told you you're missing out on info you need to properly verify prospective tenants? That's a problem, and the solution is Rentify. Rentify provides a summary of a prospective tenant's financial information using bank-verified transactional data you can't get from a credit check. This includes monthly income, payroll, past rent payments, and identity verification. Rentify's reports also highlight non-sufficient funds, overdraft history, and missed rent payments. It's all available at www.trustrentify.com. The best part is Rentify's financial reports instantly verify the full financial picture of a tenant within minutes, so you will no longer have to waste hours or even days verifying their information manually. And you can eliminate the risk of being duped by fraudulent documents and losing thousands of dollars getting unreliable tenants evicted. Visit TrustRentify.com and use the promo code FAIRLESS for 25% off your first report package. That's T-R-U-S-T-R-E-N-T-I-F-Y.com. Put in the promo code FAIRLESS, F-A-I-R-L-E-S-S, for 25% off your first report package. Vikram, when you were looking to expand out of Tucson, why did you pick Phoenix? Arizona is an amazing market. Phoenix MSA is one of the top five. So there are market fundamentals that you just can't beat. So having that as a neighbor is, is for us, we were very fortunate to have that. Plus, now looking at the other factors outside of the market, which obviously has to be the first, the other fundamental for us was operational, right? For operational, it's an hour and a half away from our warehouse. And in Bay Area, where I have to go from one side of the Bay to the other, that's hour and a half, you know, where Arizona is... Yes, you're traveling more distance, but you can travel it in the same amount of time. So we can still manage those sites from our existing warehouse and a lot of existing pool of resources. Because it's a hot market, the level of competition has to be fierce. How do you find deals in that market? Because I've seen cap rates in threes yes. in Phoenix. Yes. How do you no. compete and find deals? Because so, this is not your backyard. Now you're in somebody else's house. Yes, no, absolutely. Although I must say that Phoenix and Tucson... A lot of the brokerages, they have either the same brokers or they have partners within the brokers that are dealing in the same market. Now, Tucson is completely different, but going back 10 years, 20 years, Tucson was a sub-market or a satellite office for the guys in Phoenix. So we have those broker relationships that we have built over the last five, six years 
that we were able to leverage in, in Phoenix MSA. And that's exactly how we got our last deal that we had acquired was through that broker relationship that we had. We started underwriting. And as I mentioned, we have a few more arrows in our quivers that we can shoot at these things. So we looked at it and we found a great asset through that relationship that was coming off actually a fund because they had met their return parameters. Although the market is moving so fast, there's so much more juice to squeeze out. It was a great value at asset for us and it was the right deal. Are you looking at other markets somewhere in the Midwest? Not at this point. I've been very, very careful from early on. My partner, Princey, and I, every time we talk about these shiny object syndrome, we stop ourselves. We're like, <laughs> let's focus, focus, focus. So energy flows where focus goes, right? And so we're making sure that we have these successful hubs before we start looking at something else, right? We didn't move to Phoenix MSA. We could have moved a few years back, but we knew we had to completely build out Tucson to auto run itself. So that once we go focus on Phoenix, we are not having to run back to Tucson because things are falling apart. So you've got to do that before you move on to something else. What was your hardest lesson learned in your entire real estate journey? There were many lessons learned, but I think the one that rises to the top, if I had to pick one, definitely cash flow. You've got to focus on cash flow. You cannot compromise. You cannot take your eyes off it. That is it. And I think it is not just real estate. It's probably anything and everything out there. Yeah. Victor, what advice would you give somebody that's had a number of successful real estate deals on their own, and now they're looking to syndicate? They're right on that precipice of, do I syndicate or not? What advice do you give that individual? Great question. So I think the best decision, the first decision you need to make, like something we discussed right before, right? And somebody had once told me, which I found very profound, more I thought about is stay in your lane. Meaning if you have worked out a formula, you know how it works. Just because you're syndicating, do not change that formula. Stick to it. Actually double down on that formula because you have surety of success day one. So that is that. Start having conversations with your friends and family prior. Show them the deals. Show them what it is. How you have been able to turn these other properties around. And then go in and just do your thing. It'll be so much easier versus trying to do something new just because you're syndicating. Vikram, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Invest in yourself. And honestly, the last one, which I said, stay in your lane. And I say, invest in yourself, listen to podcasts, listen to Joe's books. I cannot tell you, I didn't have any mentor, no coach in a real estate syndication side of the business. However, I'm not sure if I can say that because I had, Joe had written that book, the best ever syndication book. And I took that book and I literally followed it to the T. And I think that was my best coach because even though we had done stuff ourselves, it was my first syndication, I had a roadmap. As an engineer, I can definitely appreciate a roadmap because that's what we have focused on all these years in engineering. And I found that. And that is what I mean by investing in yourself, looking at talking, following people who have been successful in the field. Success leave clues. Just probably do that for sure. Vikram, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, absolutely. Let's do it. Vikram, what's the best ever book you recently read? The books, I obviously enjoy Napoleon Hill, Jack Canfield books. However, these days I've picked up webinars. There's Walker Dunlop webinars and Peter Lineman webinars, which are very, very interesting given the state of economy or very unique times that we are going under. So I'm trying to educate myself more on the economic part of the market. And Vikram, what's the best ever way you like to give back? So as Wahi Capital, as Princey and I, we believe in impact investing and then enriching lives. So for us, we look at a full cycle from tenants to employees to investors and the neighborhoods that we invest in. So for tenants, as I mentioned, we try to give them the best possible materials that we can give, eco-friendly, 
and give them very nice and beautiful units to live in to call home. So that's for for our tenants. For our employees, we give them opportunities of learn and grow, right? I think that's the best thing you can do for anybody is to help them become a better self of themselves. And we have morning meetings every single day till this day. We started it right when we started our journey. And in the meetings, we have an open forum where it's about growth as to what worked yesterday, what did not work yesterday, and share it with the other employees so that people can learn from each other. And it builds that team mentality. We're bringing on softwares. We're always bringing on coaching programs to help people enroll and be their better selves as much as they want to. And then from the investors, we make sure their capital is not only used to gain returns, but also impact lives, whether it's our employees, whether it's our tenants that are living in, whether it's the neighborhoods that we're impacting. As I mentioned, a lot of these distressed assets that we buy are on the fringe areas, meaning they're probably pulling down the neighborhood or having a bad impact. By turning these neighborhoods around, changing the demographics, we are able to turn around the entire neighborhood. Our best result is when the neighbors come in and tell us how good of a job we are doing. And we are starting to get that quite a bit. And that's essentially for us is the best food for whatever we are doing. Yeah, that is powerful. Vikram, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? The best way to get into it is LinkedIn. I'm very responsive on LinkedIn. And then the other way is to get a hold of us is through our website, buycapital.com. Those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. Vikram, thank you so much for being on our show today and sharing your journey from the engineering background and applying all of those lessons that you've learned into real estate and scaling that business to the success that it is today. So thank you for taking time out of your day and joining us. Thank you so much, Ash, for having me on. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us and have a best ever day.